Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Here's your host, Tim Wilkins. Thank you for joining us. Another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilkins, joined again by the co-host of co-hosts, Christopher, joining me once again. And today's topic is going to be one of epic proportions. I mean, you might as well just start burning some some trees. We're going scorched earth, ladies and gentlemen, on the grand old party, better known as the Republican Party, not the Trump Party. Chris, I think today... We, you know, by the way, before we start on this awesome endeavor, I want to wish everyone, hope everyone had a great Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Happy I Want to Go to the Gym New Year, all that fun shit. Uh, because, you know, we had ourselves a winter break, Chris. I think we're a little well rested on this podcasting thing now, don't you think? Indeed. Uh, <laughs> happy, uh, happy New Year to you, Tim. And it's good to be back. And hopefully, everyone. Listening had a uh, had an awesome uh, and Christmas, Thanksgiving, and New Year's, and uh, it's time to get back to work. Yes, it's getting back to the people's work, which is always what the House of Representatives is not doing right now because they're just going around in circles playing a game of Pizza Hut. But uh, we're going to talk about it, and I think it's worth talking about because obviously we were on winter break here, but there was a dumpster fire, which I will call the grand old party right now, is a big old dumpster fire, which should be owned by waste management company because it's it is ridiculous and chris i think you you and i both heard reports after the election that uh you know it was the the quality of candidate as we like to hear there was something wrong with every candidate that lost in the senatorial campaigns for midterm elections or there was something wrong with the house of representative candidates on the gop side and arguably, it all has to start and ends with leadership. And we're going to start it off first, my man, with the man that really looks like Mr. Magoo himself, good old Mitch McConnell. Chris, I think you can arguably say, you can probably agree or disagree with me here, but this man arguably is the biggest squish of all time. Don't you think? Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this guy is a, if you think about it, I mean, you go back and look at his career. I mean, he's been in, he's been in politics for, for 40 plus years. He is the epitome of what we as, as conservatives hate about the swamp. He's, he's got obviously has ties to China through his family. He's a squish on most of the, most of the issues. I mean, you could give him one bit of a, of a caveat and a carrot when it comes to the, uh, the, the judicial picks, but how much of that was was uh, the great president Trump, but when it comes down to it, McConnell has been a has been a disaster, um, and he is not he is not America first. He's not pushing the, the the true America first conservative agenda. He when when it seems like he's got the uh, they've got Biden up against the ropes, McConnell throws him out a lifeline and, and saves him. And uh, I mean, if you're if you're a if you're a conservative and America first and and a, and a MAGA 
a MAGA Republican, I, I have to say, I mean, what what has the Republican Party given you in the last, I mean, really in the last, de- I mean, decades, but when it comes down to it in the last few months, I mean, they've caved on every major social issue. They've spent, they, they spend like drunken sailors. Um, it, it's it's unbelievable. And yeah, it goes back to uh, to leadership. And, you know, McConnell has no charisma. He's, he's way, way past his prime. He has no charisma. And I you could say that for a lot of the, uh, the Republican uh, leadership that are just old and tired. And uh, it's just not good. It's just not good. We as, uh, as young, young conservatives, uh, millennials, it's, uh, it's quite frustrating, to be honest with you. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly, man. Uh, it is one of the few things that I, as long time as I am as a conservative, and I think we could talk about my, my stances on a lot of issues. Um, and they're, they're steadfast in what they are. But um, the one thing that I will say that I'm kind of upset the most about is the fact that McConnell had many opportunities to kind of block the, the Biden agenda, uh, and including this omnibus spending bill that came across the bow while we were on winter break, which I, I will talk about here in a very brief period of time, which I, unfortunately I cannot give it justice for the 1,789 pages that it is but it's a complete catastrophe. And if I was a house representative member, I would be just as pissed off as they are right now trying to make a vote for speaker of the house, which, which was one of the concessions that leader McCarthy made was that there actually be, has to be a period of five business days or five calendar days, as they call it between the vote. And when the Senate drops a bill like that off. So we're going to go into this and I want to talk about this because I can talk about personal personality and charisma and, and all these great things that take about politics. But one of the biggest things that I think we were not going to win the Senate had nothing to do with the, the play, the goalposts got moved or any of that stuff. It was the fact that money, 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 money. And unfortunately money buys political seats nowadays. And we've seen it hand over hand time and again that it doesn't doesn't matter what you do it's how much money you have and it goes hand in hand with most things in life dude i mean i hate to say this to everybody but it pretty much is what it is um and and i hate to say that to people but that's the reality what if you looked at the senatorial campaign for 2022 you saw what arguably is the most biggest mismanagement of funds when it comes to campaign funds in in a long long time by the GOP, which by the way, this the Senate Democrats actually outraised us by almost nine dollars to one, and and made better use of their funds, if you ask me. But we're gonna go into the deep dive of this, and you're gonna see that McConnell, as much as I criticize McConnell for a lot of things, and I will criticize him for this because he's actually the reason why they lost. I'm not giving him a an out by any means, Chris. I think if you look at the numbers here, it's arguably disastrous. Um, there, there's a news story report that came out soon after the election was over that he gave a huge amount of money to Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, which is true. He gave a substantial amount of money to that campaign in a very safe seat. Uh, Chris, I think we would argue that Alaska is not going into the left anytime soon, unless something drastically changes. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree. I mean, you figure 
Um, yeah, and yeah, obviously the reports, I know you'll get into more specifics, but you look at races like Blake Masters in Arizona, uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia, um, Adam Laxalt in, in Nevada. I mean, they're, those, those guys, those guys, um, you know, they needed, they needed those funds and whatever it might be, whether it's, uh, you know, a spite on, on, on president Trump, you know, or was, or, or whatever it is that that money simply wasn't there when these folks, uh, needed it the most to, to win these, you know, what should be winnable seats. Now, obviously, and I think, and I think we could probably talk more about it, but just to ensure, I think people who kind of bought into the narrative of the, the red wave, this, this, or red tsunami, I think were a little bit misguided. Uh, yeah. The, the, well, the, I mean, I, I'll Chris, I, I, Chris, I, I disagree with the, I didn't get bought into the red tsunami. I did use, I was joking around about it, but I was seeing it more in the house. I thought the house was going to get it big time because the way the agenda was pretty much laid out there in front of them. I mean, they had it basically give it to them on a silver platter and they just dropped the fucking ball. I mean, I'll just put it that way. They, they single-handedly dropped that hunt. I mean, I was going to go further into this, but they, the house race was a single-handedly biggest kafifi of all time. Uh, and, and I'll say that. So I'm just going to give you the numbers here. So we're going to go through this uh, in a deep dive here. So the Senate Leadership Fund, which was associated with Senate Leader McConnell, uh, raised a total, total, uh, $205 million this go around. Okay, that's a lot of substantial, a lot of money. Obviously, the sustain, uh, the fund started in 2014. Just to give you the, the demographics of this, uh, and according to the report that came out, and this is came out in the uh, November 7th, which came out literally, you know, not too far off of election day. So obviously the spend monies came out because the you're required to by this to by law to do that. So you have to divulge your spends. The leadership funds spent their money supposedly on five key races, right? The five key races. The total dollar amount that they spent and how they spent it is arguably the biggest kafifi of all time. They spent $178 million on advertising in those five key demographic states that we talked about. Obviously, we talked about it early on the podcast, way, way before election season, which was Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. We didn't talk about North Carolina very much in the senatorial. We didn't talk about Ohio. In our discussions of key election races to watch out for, we talked what the key races that we talked about were Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. So key key issue that I have here is that the $205 million was pulled, they say, across nine Senate races. And they spent $178 million on five races, and two of those elections really didn't need arguably what we we're talking about earlier on the podcast season last year was just a bad situation. In my opinion, he did not spend any money or a very few less amount of money in uh, Arizona. And he did not spend as much money in Nevada. He spent which right now the, and I'll talk it. it he spent 
arguably in the regular election cycle, let's just go over Georgia first, which by the way, I, I feel terrible about talking about this in a negative way with Herschel Walker. But unfortunately, the Democrats kept moving the goalpost. And in reality, if you do the comparison of the Georgia senatorial election, the senatorial leadership, you know, the one for Chuck Schumer's, the pack that he runs, didn't spend a dime in Georgia. The DNC, the DNC triple C did, though, which they have a seems to have a lot better uh, organization when it comes to um, their spend and how they organize it. So I'll just give you an example. What I have here is the GOP super PAC spent 42 million in Georgia with Herschel Walker. And that's just for the regular Senate cycle. Just the regular from January till November. They sent $42 million. I'm not talking about the runoff. Was the runoff, unfortunately, was like an eight-minute job match in wrestling. It was just probably wasn't even worth watching, in my opinion. Um, the Georgia, unfortunately, and I'll, I'll just talk about this in numbers, uh, Mitch McConnell spent $14 million on the runoff. Okay, So the money was there, but unfortunately, Herschel Walker... Once the the opposition research came out, and I will say it candidly, once he lost the independence and the moderates in that election because of the, the saga and the scandals that he had with purchasing women's abortions out of wedlock and his kids coming out and talking, misman talking in a really negative way about Herschel Walker, he wasn't going to win that election. And it didn't take very long. It was like, basically, I call it the Charlie Brown effect with the football. They gave you the option. They gave you the the, the the opportunity. And then the Democrats pulled the ball away at the very last minute. And they did the opposition research and dropped the hammer. And I think that's, there was no question about that. That's how that played out. Unfortunately, that's politics. And, but the weird thing about it, Chris, I think you can attest to this as well, is that they were selling, the corporate media was selling the narrative that Herschel Walker was a bad candidate. And I, I understand that that might have been what's being portrayed, but the, the negative ads and things along those lines. But Warnock isn't the greatest issue binder of all time either. So I, I think the GOP dropped the ball substantially in, in Georgia. And I think between the organization I'm not even talking about the law, this voter ID law or any of that nonsense. But my, uh, Brian Kemp did a very good job of trying to bring Herschel over the finish line. But unfortunately, if you look at the voter map, there's two big, big areas, which I will talk about. There was one county in particular in the southeastern part of the state near Savannah that Herschel Walker lost that he could have and Trump won easily, by the way, in 2020. And obviously, if anyone knows the demographics of that election, Warnock is from the Savannah, Georgia, southeastern part of the state. So obviously, Atlanta, Georgia, big demographic there. That was the issue. You know, they ran the numbers up pretty good there. But Warnock was very, very good at knowing how to organize and go about his business in the Atlanta metro area. If you go through the suburban areas in the south, southwestern part of the state, Herschel Walker did a really good northern part of the state. He did really well. But once you get around Savannah and around that area, Chris, I think you can 
kind of see where the light was on the end of the tunnel there. And that's where the GOP, I, I don't know what else we could have done. Um, and that's the of action, but the amount of money, I'll just give you the ad buy, the biggest ad buy during the Georgia campaign. Okay. $42 million and their biggest ad buy was probably later in the election cycle. And that, unfortunately, in my personal view, was too late. And and Chris, I don't I want to hear your view on this, but we're going to talk about North Carolina in a minute because I feel that the money that Senator Leader McConnell spent on North Carolina could have been spent on the two election cycles that we talked about in Nevada and Phoenix, Arizona, and Arizona, and could have potentially put Laxall and uh, the candidate for Arizona over. I forgot. I'm forgetting his name now. Um, yep. But I want to see your view on Georgia before we kind of deep dive into to pencil. I'm not, I'm going to wait till Pennsylvania lasts if you don't mind. Cause I, I think that's probably the biggest one that unfortunately it, it's, it's, it's telling how that narrative is, but yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I actually, I mean, we don't even have to really Pennsylvania is what it is. I, I think if you want to look at the, the Georgia look specifically at Georgia, I think, you know, even if you just looked at some of the the, the raw the raw data and numbers, I mean, obviously Herschel did not did not do well in the in the Atlanta metro area and all those surrounding counties. Um, and and unfortunately, I, I think in a, in a lot of ways, I think you know he was a he was a percentage point or two down even a lot of the a lot of the red counties. So I, you know, it, it just flat out it was just a numbers game. The GOP has to do better has to do better in these dark blue areas. I mean, if you you got to skim, you got to skim a certain amount of, you're not going to win those counties, but you got to find a way to skim, you know, two, three percentage points off and then still max out the, the, uh, the, the, the red counties. So, you know, unfortunately it just, the, the, the numbers just weren't there for, for Herschel. I mean, it was going to be an uphill battle, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate, you know, and you, you know, and it, we could talk more about it too, maybe in a later pod, in a later show. But the 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 numbers do look a little better in terms of you know the, the Democrats and where they are in twenty twenty four have a lot more seats. The the the, the math was going to be difficult. It, it still it thinks we lost. Well, and and Chris, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to tell this narrative in a way that is is doing. Mr. Laxaw, a lot of justice here because the amount of results that that young man put out, I call him young man. He's probably my age in, in, in Nevada. He could have used a little bit more help in my view. And, and same thing with Arizona, that gentleman there that he could have seriously done some of this better bidding. If so here, here's the stats on this Pennsylvania, which uh, I'm going to go score shirt on this one is Unfortunately, this was also mismanaged by the GOP, and I wonder who the chairwoman is of that one. They picked by the primary, which, by the way, historically, the Pennsylvania senators are usually squishes. I hate to say this to everybody. If you're a GOP or a Democrat, you're a squish. You're a moderate. You're not really heavy one way or the other. So this wasn't going to be some, I'm a hard writer, you're a hard lefter. No, you're going to be a squish on a squish. It's a shit or shit sandwich, as South Park would call it. And unfortunately, the GOP had a very hard primary. And by the time Mehmet Oz 
got himself back up from the from the getting his ass kicked for about six months and get himself back to financial, you know, campaign mode, it's too late. And Fetterman had the money by the Senate senatorial stuff uh, on the PAC side of the Democrats by a large margin. Outspent hand, I think it's nine, eight or nine dollars to one. Um McConnell's pack spent 41 million in the state. And so like let's say hypothetically, Chris, if the other candidate won for the GOP primary, it probably would he's obviously a, a we like to call it a he's a fund he's 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 the establishment candidate for the GOP in the state, which we watched the, the governor race in that state. Basically, he got his ass, the GOP candidate got his ass whooped for by like 12 points. It was terrible. But the next thing I want to talk about, and I want to dial this in, is so you understand this a little bit better, why I wanted to bring up North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, all these other states, was at some point a decision had to get made. Hey, I think we're not going to do so well in Pennsylvania. Or I don't think we're going to do so well in Georgia. And at some point, a decision had to get made to pull the parachute and go, where are we going to spend this money? Right. If you look at the election in Nevada, if you look at the dollars and cents here, which I'm about to go through here, if that money got spent on the southwestern part of the country, we might still have the Senate majority. And that is why McConnell, in my opinion, needs to get the hell out of Washington, because this is his fault. Terribly his fault. Here we go. North Carolina. Your home state, your Tar Heel state that you are, you Yankee Tar Heel yourself. They spent $36 million on ads for Ted Budd. Not the establishment, not GOP. The senatorial leadership pack by Mitch McConnell spent $36 million. The Senate race wasn't even closely competitive in my view. He was up by at least five to six points on every poll in North Carolina. Here we go again. Ohio. Starch, fundamental foundation of the GOP. Why are we sitting here even discussing this right now is beyond comprehension. They spent $31 million for J.D. Vance against Tim Ryan. He won in deciding fashion in that scenario. thirty. That is a total... Chris, of $67 million in two races. Yeah. Then, and all in two states, you know, that Ohio, arguably you know. could have been, could have been handled by the GOP, the national, the, the national party, not some super PAC, but okay. Cause I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm tired of getting freaking emails every other day about donate for money. Trump, 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 donate some money. Dump, 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 win red. Da, da, da. Tired of seeing the emails. I'm sorry. Until leadership changes in the grand old party, starting with Ronna McDaniel or Ronna Romney, I'm sorry. I will donate locally to my to my my House of Representative and to my state senator, my state senator and state rep. But I am not going to donate any more to any more Senate campaigns. Because I'm sorry, but as much as I love Ted Cruz, he's the only one that actually speaks his damn mind nowadays down here in Senate, in Texas. And, uh, you know, I have a squish coming up for election next time. So it's kind of how this goes. $67 million, Chris, 
on two states that arguably could have been had fundraising money put in by the GOP. Now the GOP has not released their their spend uh you know into those states as of yet. Obviously they're due because it's new year. But the problem that I have with this is that here here's this problem. If you look at the Nevada senatorial campaign, right? The I'm just going to go by the, the raw facts here. Cortez Masto won by literally 9,000 votes. That's it. 9,000 votes, Chris. Yep. Okay. Arizona. Blake Masters lost by 200,000 votes. And had only ten million dollars spent on him on this pack. Okay, madness, absolute madness. On this, okay. Laxall had only twenty-eight million. Okay, twenty-eight million dollars. In comparison, I'm just going to give you this comparison so you understand this. Mitch McConnell made a decision, and I. Just so angry when I read these numbers. Okay. We all like Chucky, you know, go to Crocodile Tears, Chuck Schumer. But he has his own pact as well. In Nevada, actually, I'll take it back. We're going to go Arizona first. In Arizona, the Democratic Pact, Super PAC, spent $31 million. Okay, thirty-one million. That's just a super PAC. That's not the, the the party itself. That's just a super PAC, which they can spend as much money as you want. Overall, man, GOP screwed over their own candidates in Arizona and Nevada, and they can't they can't justify it. I'm sorry, you can't justify spending twelve million dollars in Lisa Murkowski's. State, you can't you can't justify spending thirty one million in JD Vance's seat with the results that he had. You can't do it. Sorry, I mean I understand. Yes, JD Vance won in a decisive fashion. I understand Ted Bund won by in decisive fashion. But you can't tell me that the National Party couldn't get their shit together. And 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 really, if you look at the results on that, Chris, it's literally it it Blake Masters got shelled. With no help. He was out there. He was on an island all by himself out there. That's yeah. not fair to him. That's nope. that's that's the party deserve. I mean, that's that's just terrible. If you want to take back the Senate, you gotta have to go a conventional route, which in my opinion, the GOP didn't have a strategy. Did not have a strategy. And, and it's way, terrible to say that. And in a way, have- Tim, honestly, I, I had I got the feeling that especially after especially after the uh yeah. When Walker went to a, to a runoff, and then Fetterman somehow won, you got you got the vibe that that in, in McConnell gives off the vibe that he doesn't he doesn't want he doesn't want to win. He's not playing to win. I think he, in so many ways, is fine with you know we talk about the uh, we we talk about you know managing declines. I feel like in a way Mitch McConnell and a lot of this old old tier. Republican leadership are fine with uh, managing the, the decline of our country in so many ways. 
until we get until we get leadership in Senate and also in the House that plays to win, we're not going to win. And you know, just even but you you laying out all the numbers here just proves in so many ways that they don't they're not playing to win. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll put this in a context here. You can't just go out and fundraise. And I'm tired. I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm sick and tired of getting those damn emails. I'm tired of it. It's the most annoying fucking thing to clog up my inbox. It's a waste of fucking time. It, I'm sorry to start cussing like this, but it is annoying. I get like 10 or 12 of those a day. It's annoying. And yes, I do support candidates. But let me tell you something. The candidates that I have paid money to and donated to, one is the former president of the United States of America, who obviously was the only conservative candidate in the last two decades to do everything he said he was going to do. Sorry, I supported the guy that did what he said he was going to do. If you don't like me, here's a big old middle finger. Okay, But the thing is, when you look at the Senate, you can't tell me the GOP, the, the, Rana, she's the, she's the chairwoman of the, of the party. You can't tell me, Chris, that a decision couldn't have been made. Hey, this is the strategy. Which, by the way, in these articles that I've read, you know how much money we actually spent on ad buys compared to staff and all this other stuff and strategy and all this other stuff? We spent more money on the GOP in consultant fees than ad money and salary for campaign staff. It's sad. We spent more money on the things that don't get the job done it's like getting a, it's 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 like basically getting spending money on things that tell you how to paint your house when you already know how to paint your house. It is the most ridiculous thing, man. When they talk when they talk about and you hear some folks talk about K Street, the K Street lobbyists, this is what they're talking about. The fact that the fact that they they that in so many ways they do not represent, especially in leadership, do not represent the interests of their of their voters. It's uh it's 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 quite, and as you say, it is, and that's probably the best term you use. It's quite sad when you when you're not representing the interest of of your voters who who continue to, you know, who continue to do as much as they can to support to support what they feel like are causes that will make their lives and 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 the lives of everyone around them better. And uh, unfortunately, again, till till leadership changes, and hopefully, you know, we hope that. That this push, for, you know, as you know, as as a taping right now, where we're uh, have a have a stalemate in picking a uh, new speaker in the house, and then also what's going to happen from a, a, a Republican leadership standpoint. Um, yeah, hopefully there will be a change. That's that's all we can. That's all we can push for is hope account is accountability. And you bring up you bring up that one word right there, accountability. Now, we if you have watched the last two days, now we're going on day two. We're going to be having day three tomorrow, January fifth, of the House of Representatives dumpster fire that it is for the Speaker of the House. I, I have a mutual, I have a great respect for another colleague that is of Kevin McCarthy's, who is will be the House Majority Leader when, if indeed this election happens for the Speaker of the House and Kevin takes over. Uh, as speaker, it it is it is Steve Scalise, and I I'm not saying I have a dark horse in the race here, but I do believe, candidly, that unfortunately those 20 now Chris you can attest to this fully that those 20 people are not going to move off that 
They, uh, Kevin McCarthy has already conceded so many rules changes, and you hear about these rules changes, which are not substantiatingly crazy rule changes in my view. They're just normal Lord of the Office. But there is one rule change I think he unfortunately cannot concede, and that is the the amount of people needed to get a vote of no confidence, which he is stick fast at five. They want to the Freedom Caucus wants to go to one. And unfortunately, you cannot be a leader of a party in a legislative body with that kind of rule. So that's a non that's a non secular. But the thing is, what you heard yesterday, Chris, was something that I had never seen before in the House is the man that doesn't want the seat gets nominated to the seat. And a man that knows he doesn't want the seat. Because he's too good at something else. That he's not good at the job that you're asking him to do. That man is Jim Jordan. And Chris, I don't know about you, but Jim Jordan would be a phenomenal speaker of the house. Speaker without of the doubt. house. Without a doubt. And, and you want to talk about a motivational... Every time I hear him speak and give public speeches, it is probably... If the man doesn't run for president one day, it's going to be a very... um sad day in America because he has a very unique voice, a very clear thought, precise. He doesn't mix words. He kind of goes about it and handles it accordingly. But when they nominated, of course, Matt Gates, which by the way, uh, I'm not going to kind of go into the weeds of what they're asking for and what they're going to die on, what mountain they're going to die on uh, when it comes to this stuff. But Matt Gates has a personal vendetta against McCarthy. Okay. Without, that, a doubt. That, without a doubt, has a personal vendetta. Now, he may say, no, I don't, but you can't tell me that he doesn't because they had a case, the DOJ had a case against him, and McCarthy didn't want to do anything to help him out. So, you don't think he's holding that into consideration when he's making his decision on supporting McCarthy or not? Come on now. I'm not a complete idiot, but I can tell you right now, <laughs> that's pretty thought, that's pretty thought out, in my opinion. Chip Roy, being from my state of Texas, um, he is every time he's on a news uh, channel on Fox, especially because Fox is giving these guys between Laura Boebert, um, Matt Gates, all these guys in the in the Freedom Caucus, the time to, to speak their minds and to speak their and answer questions. Chip Roy has actually answered a lot of the questions precisely the way you want to answer them. Now, has he given exacts or like what he wants? But it all falls down to leadership, Chris. I think Ronald McDaniel uh, is not the leader of the party anymore. Donald Trump, former president. What you saw this morning was him tell everybody, stop acting like a bunch of kids and, and go vote for the Speaker of the House. Stop playing this nonsense game. And unfortunately, and that didn't work and either. He's, and, he's fully, <laughs> and he's obviously fully thrown his support behind McCarthy. Well, which, by the way, he helped get McCarthy elected twice. I mean, come on. I mean, it's a no-brainer there. You know his loyalties lie. Here's the thing, though. Every single one of those guys in the House have actually had the help of the sitting, the former president. So for them not to listen is kind of like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Now, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow the Freedom Caucus nominates him to be the freaking Speaker of the House just to be an asshole uh, to nominate Donald Trump because that will get the freaking Democrats really pissed off. And if they're going to keep this thing, this train of – a dumpster fire going. They might as well just keep it full blown troll. So, um, but really, Chris, I think, and I want to hear your view on this: is what what exactly can the GOP do? 
other than just do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, we, we you know, several months ago, I, I do remember that Kevin McCarthy did the, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, of what the, of what the event or, uh, event he did, uh, on, on Fox and friends. Um, but yeah, problem a contract, is, is there a modern day yep. form of contract of America? Yeah, correct. Correct. The problem is, I mean, you can say all this stuff, you can go on TV, you can make these bloated promises and say, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to move the agenda and then immediately it doesn't happen. And I think this is the first time we've had a, we've had a real reckoning, um, you know, from, you know, and, and, you know, some people are, I think there are people that are uncomfortable with this. I think, you know, maybe we have differing opinions on it, but in a way, you know, this is really is kind of democracy at work. I mean, uh, Chip, Chip Roy, who's been phenomenal when he speaks on the, on the floor, um, you know, basically said, it's like, wow, it's actually nice to have everybody here in, in the chamber, as opposed to taking days off, not being there, you know, not focused on the people's work. And for once, we actually have all of our, all of our representatives actually representing the people. Now, I think, I think the longer this goes on, I, I think obviously there's pressure from you know, the corporate media, I mean, the left, the leftist media are, are loving this because they think everything's in disarray. I think the, I'll say the, in quotation marks, corporate conservative media is starting to get, they're starting to, uh, they're starting to get irritated. Um, and then some of your more America first type leadership um, media are, they're loving it because they feel like this is the opportunity. So it's, it's a time that we need to, uh, really need to see how it's going to play out. I mean, obviously the worst, the worst, worst case scenario is somehow Akeem Jeffries becomes the speaker of the house, which I think the chances that happen um, are unlikely, but you know, we have to see what, what's going to happen at this point. It's very hard to, you know, I know there's things leaking out, but it's hard to say who's, who's gonna, um, and, and obviously whenever this does come out, we, you know, maybe we'll have a speaker of the house. It may not, if this could continue on, I think the longest that went was over two months. Yeah, it went uh, a little bit longer back in the 1800s, uh, yeah. way before we were even thought of. Yeah. But I, I will talk about this because it needs to be discussed in context. Uh, Kevin McCarthy did pass up the speaker uh, before, and it happened in 2015 after the 2014 election cycle where the, the, the House Republicans took over the majority again. And that led into the Paul Ryan taking over uh, as speaker. And it it was really clear. So you understand this, that this is during the John Boehner saga, which the hard right of the party kind of took over. And yeah, you're, com you're coming off post tea party there. So yep. there was, a, there was a, uh, you know, yeah, there was a, there was a rift in the party because you had, you had the never, the kind of never Boehner folks and you had the tea party. So it's, there's there's always been a little bit of, of infighting as it relates to the uh, to the to the Republican side. So that whole saga kind of happened, and and what it was was Boehner was resigned because he obviously had a vote of no confidence. So 
there's a little bit of a rules thing here in, in the House, which it, I will say it's the reason why the Senate calls the House representative of the House of Kids, because they do act like children sometimes, hence the saga that we're having right now. And there's rules in place where back when Nancy Pelosi had the gavel that you really only needed one person to say you had a vote of no confidence to raise, to raise the motion. Um, and then they changed the rule. And then they haven't returned back to the rule Nancy Pelosi had where any, any one particular person in the party can raise that motion. So there was a huge I, division. And, There's a and huge I division think, in the party. So. And I think, that, I think in, in a lot of these roles, I mean, Obviously, we know Pelosi runs this, ran this like her own personal, uh, you know, like she, like she's uh, some type of monarch. So I, I hate to say, it, but the one thing that she had with her party was unity, <laughs> and knew when to bring things to a vote to the floor, and had no problem when it came to the big legislation, whether or not they're going to bring it to the floor. That's yep. one thing about yep. her calling card. Her calling card was those. I mean, I hate to say this, but everybody can hate her, but that woman had. A huge, huge, and not to say the Trump word, but a huge, like, level heavy hand on the party and the way they voted and the way the caucus and the conference voted. And she knew the ins and outs of how to negotiate with their caucus. And I hate to say this, but the guy that's going to get the speakership isn't going to be McCarthy. It's not going to be McCarthy. And Regardless of how this plays out, this will probably go on for another week or two. McCarthy's going to have to say to himself, I don't have the votes, so I'm going to have to step down, and we're going to have to submit another candidate to be speaker. Now, that doesn't change the fact that he won't be majority leader or someone in leadership, but this is where, as a person that has enjoyed watching this person rise to statue in the party, seeing Steve Scalise just sit there in the gallery. And I mean this in a nice way, watching Steve Scalise just sit there. He gave a speech yesterday, obviously, in, endorse, in, in nominating Kevin McCarthy yesterday, because obviously that's what they're going to do. It's everybody, it's like pick a pick a guy, you get a speech, you get a speech, everybody gets a speech. And it was his turn. He did it. But the, the whip, the majority whip, is the guy that knows the party the best. And I, I truly believe that Steve Steve will be just fine if if McCarthy drops away and, and they say, hey, we're, we're going to nominate Steve Scalise. It's a done deal. This thing doesn't go on for another 12 hours. This thing would have been done by now. The fact of the matter is this. There's 20 guys in that room that don't trust McCarthy. McCarthy can give them everything but the kitchen sink. Chris and and they're not going to vote for him, and 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 Gates is Gates is steadfast in that belief. Chip Roy is, I think, steadfast in that belief too. I don't think he's that's a, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. So it's going to come down to is when's McCarthy going to budge? Because the, I you you can watch the corporate media. If you already watched this before. Every every conservative, every everybody on the right is coming on Fox saying, "Hey, we're all in support of McCarthy. We're all going to vote for McCarthy." Let me tell you something. The other number two in the party was Steve Scalise, who supports McCarthy. You're not going to tell me that the party, the caucus, the conference is going to support him? Of course they are. He's the majority whip, or he was the minority whip back then. So he knew. He knows every single guy in the room. He told McCarthy for months, you're not going to have the votes. 
That's why you see how calm he is in the room. Same thing with Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan knew he didn't have the votes. Months ago, everybody knew that McCarthy didn't have the votes other than McCarthy. And that's the scary yeah. thing about this whole process. Yeah, and McCarthy, I think, very, obviously very prematurely already started moving his stuff back into the... Oh, that was uh, a funny video. That was a good time. Yeah, so if, if that's a, the level of delusion he has, then that's, that's quite... Well, he said it. There's, there, it leaked out that he says, I, I effing deserve this. Let's go get this done. And I hate to say this, but I, I listen, the only thing that was a done deal was that the Republican Party took the majority in the House. Yeah. Okay. The numbers in which and how they got the majority is is substantially just mind blowing how they didn't get a bigger majority. I think I think Kevin thought that he was gonna have a bigger majority yeah. and he didn't play the numbers right. And yeah. I'll say it like that. I don't think he did. But but again, we have to say we have the majority. That's the most important thing. Well, we we might lose that if oh Hakeem Jeffries gets it. If 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 Keem, if if Jeffries gets the speakership, we don't get a say in anything. <laughs> it's like basically like 2.0 all over again. It's just ridiculous. Um, I'll say this as well. There's a report that came out just today. Um, that I, I don't know if you ever heard of this congresswoman Corey Bush and. I'm That's sorry right. to say this, and I, I, as a white person, and the most disgusted I've ever read this person even saying the things that she said about the person that was nominated for the Speaker of the House, and the it is by far some of the most just, and I mean this like in a nice uh, concept here. Byron Donalds is a good person. He's not a bad human being. He's a good representative for his for his for his for his congressional district, and he's a part of the Freedom Caucus. Well, Corey trying, Bush trying, trying to get Corey, the congressional congressional black caucus, and they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't let him. Yeah. Tucker Carlson tonight was unique, Chris, and I'll say it. And he's been on a he's been on a tear since he came back from vacation. He said it tonight and before we came on and recorded this. He says you don't want to be ruled by a man who wears a Ukraine flag lapel pin and, li and lives with Frank Lutz, do you? Um, <laughs> no problem. We Tucker get spot Tucker spot on again. Once again, that nails it. And and now apparently Lauren Boebert is now pushing Trump as speaker, which I you know I get it. I get it. We're going to have this fun. But Corey, but the reason why I bring up Corey Bush is this, because I, I'm tired of the race game being brought in and, and why, why an African-American man who is a Republican gets called an uncle Tom is beyond comprehension. The under, I don't get it because you, you lose all your blackness because you vote for the, for the conservative party. Is that, is that how that goes? I, I don't get it. That is very true. I mean, I, I, I'm when, when you, when you, when you break, when you break from the, uh, from the plantation, you're, uh, you're an Uncle Tom. So I guess success, you know, you break from the plantation. So I'm not on a governmental handout. I, I, Corey Bush, thank God I, I don't, you know, I, I just laugh at people that support that kind of candidate. And it's just, it's, which, uh, scorched earth enough as it is, man. I, I'm going to say this. The GOP needs to get its shit together. And I think you can close with this. Chris, you're going to have, I'll give you the last word on this. 
it, it, it is by far the worst dumpster fire of, of the entire decade so far as watching this leadership without President Trump at the helm. It is by far the hardest thing to watch because it's like like basically a boat out in the middle of the ocean with no destination. They don't have a clue where to go and what to do, but yet everybody and their mother saying he has no power left in the party. Really? Oh, Ron DeSantis going to do something? I wait. I'm still waiting for a policy that good old Ron DeSantis has brought to the table. That's his own. Until that happens, it's still Donald Trump's party. So, other than that, Chris, I'll let you have the floor. Well, I would say in, in closing, I think one of the one of the one of the poignant moments or, or things I heard someone say is that uh, in strong in in tough times build strong men. And in 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 uh, easy times, build weak men. And I think we are at a precipice where we need to build strong men and women um, to hopefully move this country forward. And uh, you know, and and, and to, to to quote uh, Dan Bongino, who I listen to uh, pretty regularly, he says that unfortunately, and, and based on how the election went, the midterms went, things just haven't gotten bad enough. So we'll see. Uh, I guess things have to get worse before they can get better, but I still live in the greatest country in the world. We have to still be long on the United States and uh, we'll see how things go. Yeah, man, I, I think that's a good thing to be said. Hopefully by, uh, you know, the next coming of Jesus, we'll have a new speaker of the house. And um, that being said, everybody, I appreciate the listen. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at the Yankee Cowboy Pod, that's the new Twitter and Instagram pages. Uh, and also, feel free to you know download, listen some more of the other episodes of the past, which well, hopefully you caught up on during the Christmas break there. But we had some good ones there. Uh, appreciate the opportunity as always, Chris. We're gonna have some more fun here. It's gonna be a good year. Thank you as always. Indeed. See ya. Yep. See you. Thank you for listening to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook.